Thanks, Sammy. I've got my glasses on. That means it's teaching time. In teacher mode. <laughs> uh, um, I did think for a minute, maybe we should all just go outside. It's so nice, right? But it's okay. We'll do that later. There's plenty of time. Plenty of time for that. Fantastic. So... Our Holy Spirit series that we are going through. You know, I, um, when we were thinking about doing this, we really felt led by the Holy Spirit to, to do a Holy Spirit series. And I'm just um, so excited about everything that God's revealing to us, everything that he's got in store for us. And the fact that there's just so much more, there's always more of him that we can experience. There's always more of him to understand. And the moment we think we've kind of got it all down, the mo- that's the moment where he, he's like, no, you haven't. There's still so much more and there's so much more. And, and we will never tire of discovering more and more about him. And so today I want to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And these are like all these topics we've been speaking about. So the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We're going to go on to the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how he empowers us in our everyday life. They're really fundamental and really like, like they sound that sometimes um, phrases or topics that we throw around in church all the time. And, and sometimes we forget that actually maybe it's good to revisit them and really understand what they mean. And so we're not just throwing around things because that's what we've done for so long. But actually, God, show us afresh what you mean by this. Reveal to us afresh in your word what you're trying to tell us about this and how we can outwork this in our lives. And so if you've heard the phrase baptism of the Holy Spirit and you're either like, yeah, I know, got it down, I know what that's all about. Or you're like, actually, I've heard that in church for years and years and I have no idea what it's about or why it's so important. It just sounds a bit weird. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. We pray that this morning we would um, have answers and that God would reveal to us afresh what he means by that. So, Holy Spirit, I just pray this morning that you would open up our eyes and open up our ears and open up our hearts, oh God, to experience you afresh. Thank you that we've already begun to encounter you, God, in our time of worship and as we give unto you and as we fellowship and talk with one another, as we have tea and coffee and as we chat outside. Thank you that your presence is always, always with us. And right now, God, as we continue in this part of the meeting, we pray that we would go into a deeper depth of understanding and knowledge and encounter of your Holy Spirit. We pray that you would come and teach us, oh God, God about who you are and reveal to us yourself again afresh in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's three in one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So when we speak about the Holy Spirit, he is the very personhood of God. He is the person of God. He's alive. He is active. He was there in the very beginning, acting in and over creation. He was hovering over the waters in the very beginning. The Holy Spirit hovered over the waters and then God spoke and said, let there be. And both the Greek and Hebrew use the same word for breath, wind, and spirit. So in Greek, the word is pneuma. And in Hebrew, they have two words. One is neshama. And that kind of means, you know, the subconscious breath where you don't really know, you don't think about breathing, do you? It's kind of in and out, just gentle breath. And the other word is ruach. Everyone say ruach. Like you have something in the back of your throat. Get a Jewish on. Ruach. I know, it's very strange, but it's good. (laughs) But ruach means a strong, heavy wind or like a gale that's 
forceful and it's a forceful and like a howling. And in the Old Testament, when it speaks of the Holy Spirit, it uses the word ruach to convey his awesome power and his might. So Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit has always been in existence as God, Father, Holy Spirit, the beautiful Trinity from the very beginning. And throughout the Old Testament, we see him manifest himself upon, within, and through people to give them power and might, to give them authority, to do amazing things. So for example, we read about Gideon. Gideon was really scared and God called him to do something. And it says the Holy Spirit clothed Gideon or put him on, like kind of like a glove. The Holy Spirit came upon Gideon and gave him courage and strength to fight and do what he had to do. In the book of Exodus, when we speak about the tabernacle, the Holy Spirit says the Holy Spirit came and gave Bezalel and Oholiab. Oholiab? Yes, it's Oholiab. I know, it's very Jewish today. Um, (laughs) But he gave them wisdom and, and detail to be creative. And so he gave them, the Holy Spirit came upon them for creativity, to make beautiful, precious things and pretty colors and to weave things and to sculpt things. And it was very, very beautiful. God's a creative God and his Holy Spirit, who is there in creation, continues to bring about creativity. We also see his power upon Moses and Elijah and Elisha to do wonderful miracles, to part the Red Sea and turn rods into snakes and to gnats to appear from dust and all kinds of things, to make wet altars, catch fire. The Holy Spirit was there present to, 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 to show up in power and do miracles through the hands of his servants. And even to prophesy, we see throughout the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit comes upon people and they prophesy, they speak the word of God. And even Saul, even Saul, just because he was in the presence of other prophets, began to prophesy because the Spirit of God was there, came upon him, and he began to prophesy. And so, so many amazing things that we see the Holy Spirit doing all throughout the Old Testament. But still there was a level of impermanence. So it was as though the Holy Spirit would come, anoint someone to do something, and then leave. Come for a moment, show up in power, get the job done, and leave. Which is in contrast to what John says in the New Testament. So in 1 John 2 and 27, it says, As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. And so in the Old Testament, we see this impermanence. The New Testament, we see it remains. There's somewhat of a contrast. St. Augustine puts it really well when he says this. The Old Testament in the New is concealed, and the Old is in the New revealed. So the Bible is one book, but what we see in the New Testament is in the Old Testament. It's just concealed. And we see in the New Testament what's in the Old Testament revealed in its fullness. And so what we see in the Old Testament is a foreshadow. It points towards a time when it would be revealed. It's just a, a taste, if you like, or a foreshadow of, of the reality. You know, a shadow is, is not the real thing. I'm, like, I'm the real thing and my shadow is my shadow. And it's almost like the, the Old Testament is like a shadow that points to the real deal that comes when Jesus shows up in the New Testament. And so David, in the Old Testament is clearly and and a lot of the time seen as a a type of Christ, so pointing towards Jesus. And David is the only person in the Old Testament who it's written of that the Holy Spirit remains upon him. When Samuel anointed him with oil, it said, from that day on, 
the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. And so David, who is a type of Jesus, who's pointing towards Jesus, is the only one in the Old Testament whom the scripture points to that the Holy Spirit and the anointing of God remains upon him. And so let's fast forward to the New Testament and turn with me to John chapter 1. If you have your Bibles. John chapter 1 and from verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. So now Jesus comes along and there is a permanence. Jesus fulfills what the Old Testament pointed to and prophesied all along. That a time would come where the anointing of God would rest and remain upon his people. And this is how John the Baptist recognizes Jesus. He didn't know who Jesus was for looking. But God told him the one on whom the Holy Spirit comes and remains is the anointed one, is the Christ. Jesus quotes himself in Luke 4. He quotes the Old Testament. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to heal the sick, to free the, mend the broken hearts and and release those who are in in captivity. The word Messiah or Christ itself means anointed one. And so the one who was anointed by God would be the one to bring about the kingdom of God By the anointing of God. It was by the anointing of God that Jesus brought about the kingdom. By the anointing of God, the Holy Spirit that remained upon him. When John announced Jesus, the Messiah, he said it twofold. He said, this is the one who will take away sins. And this is the one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That baptize you with the Holy Spirit is mentioned in all four gospels. And so there's something we really need to pay attention to. It's emphasized in four Gospels. So the same Jesus who was baptized and then anointed by the Holy Spirit is the one who brings about the kingdom. But then he baptizes us in the Holy Spirit and the anointing so we can continue to bring about the kingdom of God. It's an absolutely amazing picture of what the Old Testament pointed towards and what Jesus made possible today. Is that okay? Yeah? Sounds good? If you think I'm seeing heresy, just heckle me. <laughs> and so what is baptism? Now, um, we, we, we know commonly in baptism and referring to baptism in water. And it's the same word that's used. Now, the word used for baptism is, uh, the original word is baptizo. Now, the word baptizo means, um, it kind of describes what you would do to a pickle. So if you have a pickle and you want to 
pickle it. <laughs> you you first you dip it in hot water, but then you baptizo it in vinegar. So you dip it in the vinegar and you soak it, and so the vinegar infuses every part of the pickle. That's what it means to baptize. It's more than just a like a, a splash of you know there you go a splash of water on you, Christine. It's a dipping Christine in vinegar, <laughs> and she comes. And and I don't know if you remember, we ordered some T-shirts a, a while ago that says King's Church High Blakely on them, and they smelt like they had been baptized in vinegar, and you could tell from a mile off. They were like, oh my goodness, someone is coming wearing one of those T-shirts because I did wash them. Now they're fine. I baptized them in softener, so they're great now. <laughs> But you could tell from a mile off because they had been absolutely infused. I don't know what the people were thinking, but infused with this vinegar. And that's what it means to baptize. It brings about a permanent change. It's more than just a dipping in your toes. But when Jesus said, I will baptize you in the Holy Spirit, he said, I'm going to dip you in. So the Holy Spirit infuses you, every single part of you. That's what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. The same way we are fully immersed in the water, if you have a few people been baptized here by, by us, and we're always like, get your head in, get your head in. But there's a significance in all of you being immersed in all of God. That's what that means. So every time you think of baptism, remember the pickles, remember the vinegar. And so Jesus was baptized, and then the Holy Spirit came and anointed him. So even with Jesus, we, too, we see two distinct experiences. Um, And the disciples had believed in Jesus. They had put their faith in him. And they knew the Holy Spirit. But he still said to them, I am going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. It's amazing how Jesus always gives us an example. He always, he speaks, but he he demonstrates. What he does is what he calls us to do. And he always demonstrates as he proclaims. And John's gospel, so Jesus tells them, go wait in the city until the spirit comes upon you. John's gospel tells us that the spirit of God had not yet come in this way until Jesus had been glorified. So until Jesus died and ascended to the father, that's when he was going to send the Holy Spirit to baptize him. And so they had to wait. So even though they had an experience of the Holy Spirit residing in them, so to speak, regenerating them unto salvation, they still had to wait for a separate experience to be infused completely and, and anointed by power of the Holy Spirit. So let's turn to Acts chapter 1 and let's see what happened as they waited. So this is Luke writing. In the first book, O Theophilus, from verse 1. I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he had said, You heard from me, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then if we go to Acts chapter 2 from verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived... 
they were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven like the sound of a mighty rushing wind. Remember the mighty rushing wind, the ruach, the powerful anointing of God. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at the sound of the multitude came together. And at this sound, the multitude came together. And they were bewildered because each one heard them speaking in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these people who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one of us in our own native language, Parthians and Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Palinthia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans, barbarians, were hearing them tell in our own languages the mighty works of God. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking them, still saying they are filled with wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, saying, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only 9 a.m. in the morning. (laughs) But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and on your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and my female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Can you just imagine it? Imagine just for a moment in that, that just uh, an amazing, amazing thing that happened where the Holy Spirit comes and This same Peter who denied Jesus three times was scared to death of being associated with him because of the persecution he would face. Now stands up boldly and declares what has happened according to the prophetic um, scriptures that came before. And on that very day, 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus. 3,000 people were added to the church as a result of what happened. And this is the very purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. To empower us, to enable us to be um, witnesses of God. To be witnesses of who he is, of his power. And to extend the kingdom of God by his rule and reign. This was always his plan for us from the Garden of Eden. Have dominion, rule and reign. And it's fulfilled in the coming of Jesus and ascending of his spirit. Mark 16 and from verse 17 it says, These signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. 
And when they drink deadly poison, it will not harm them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. John 14 verse 12. Very truly I tell you, Jesus says, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that my Father may be glorified in the Son. You will do greater things than these because I am going to my Father so I can send you the Holy Spirit. When I send you the Holy Spirit, then you will be empowered to do greater things that I have done. And all of this brings glory to the Father. The Westminster Shorter Catechism puts it really well when it says, The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Jesus sent his Holy Spirit so that the Father would be glorified. And when we are moving and acting and walking and living in the anointing of the Holy Spirit, God is glorified. We were created to bring him glory. And in this way, we bring him glory. And in this way, we enjoy him. There is, no, there is nothing more exciting than living a life full of his spirit, following his leading each and every single day. It's a new adventure that we get to choose. And I honestly think God made us with adrenaline, like, for a purpose. You know, like, when you go on a roller coaster and you think, wow, that was crazy. And then you're like, I want to do it again. And it's like adrenaline going. I honestly believe that God would want us to encounter those adrenaline rushes with him. In adventuring with him. In putting ourselves in situations where we, we can only be like, Holy Spirit, you have to show up because I have no power. But that's how we are called to live. Jesus clearly demonstrated it because he didn't do anything outside the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He didn't do anything outside what the Father told him to do. And he lived a crazy, amazing life. He was in and out of people's houses. His schedule must have been like absolutely. He's on his way somewhere and there's a funeral happening. And he's like, oh, right, there you go. Raised from the dead. Come on. And then he carries on. Can you imagine what life would be like if we really gave ourselves into living in the full anointing and purposes of what God has got for us? I'm getting excited, but I love to get excited about the Holy Spirit because he is so exciting. And there's nothing more I'd rather be excited about. And so we've seen that there are two distinct experiences, the Holy Spirit and this this fullness of our salvation, because our salvation is more than just this moment where we say, you know, come into my life, Jesus, and then that's it. No, there's more to salvation. The Bible says we are saved, but we are being saved. We are holy, but we are being made holy. And so in this in this, um, in this whole process, there's a, there's a fullness and there's, and there's more to it. So we have two distinct experiences. But even more so, this second experience of the Holy Spirit is an observable, observable one. You can tell the difference. There's a difference when someone is baptized in the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 7... Chapter 7, Acts chapter 8. The Christians in Samaria were having a great time. They were full of joy because there were miracles being done. And it was all jolly good time. And so the apostles sent Peter and John down. But even though they were all believing in Jesus, having a great time seeing healings, miracles, Peter and John could tell that they had not yet been baptized by the Holy Spirit. Because they asked them. And then they prayed for them. They said they, 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 they had not yet been baptized in the Holy Spirit. They said, we've only been baptized in the name of the Lord. So they'd only been baptized in water up to this point. Peter and John could tell. And so their immediate response, 
was they prayed for them. They laid hands, prayed for them. Holy Spirit came, spoke in tongues. Jolly good time. And afterwards, they could tell there was a difference. Because even the local magician, Simon, was like, I want that power. I've seen what's happened to those people. Can, you, can I buy it from you so I can have that power as well? They're like, it's not for sale. That is not how it works. Okay. Um, but there was a difference. Before and after, there was a difference. In Acts chapter 19, again, Paul comes and sees some disciples in Ephesus. And he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you first believed? He had to ask them. Why did he have to ask them? Because he could clearly see that there was, there was something they were not yet tapping into. And they said, this was their response. We didn't even know the Holy Spirit was available to us. That's amazing. And it just goes to show how long we can go not fully understanding. And this is why we'll never tire of reading the whole of this canon. Because there is so much. There is so much. We'll spend a lifetime and eternity understanding what we cannot understand, but the the amazingness of God. They said, we didn't know this was available to us. Paul's response, lay hands on them, pray for them. The spirit falls. They began to speak in tongues and they prophesy. On the day of Pentecost, as we read in Acts chapter 2, all 120 of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. There is always an observable experience with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it includes speaking in tongues. I know we may not always see it, but it does come with the package. And so let's talk about tongues for a minute. And there's so much more we can dive into, but let's talk about that more in our connect connect groups. But for now, tongues literally means languages. So the Holy Spirit enabled believers to speak in tongues, whether it's other earthly languages that they didn't know, like we saw in Acts chapter 2, or whether it's heavenly languages, the, the language of angels, which the mind can't comprehend, like we see in 1 Corinthians 13 and chapter 1. But either way, the Holy Spirit enables us to speak in tongues. He does not force us to speak in tongues. The Holy Spirit does, does not come upon him and possess us like we can't, have any control or resist him because scripture clearly tells us do not resist the holy spirit which means he can be resisted which means we have to allow him to encounter us he enabled them to speak in tongues as they allowed themselves to to allow him to enable them do you get that the holy spirit comes to empower us and enable us and it's a beautiful beautiful gift It's part of the package. And in Mark chapter 16, as we just read, it's one of the signs that will follow those who believe in Jesus. They will speak in tongues. It's an absolutely unique experience in the New Testament. And so what does speaking in tongues do? 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Let's turn there together. Verse 4 says, the one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up. The one who prophesies builds up the church. And in verse 14, it says, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Praying in tongues builds us up. What an amazing gift of God to give us. When we speak in tongues, when we pray in the Holy Spirit, it builds us up. And even if our mind doesn't get it, our spirit is empowered. And we feel stronger on the inside, even though our mind doesn't get it. And so many times, 
Because we like to get things with our mind. We're trying to comprehend and we're wrestling. God said, it's okay. It's okay. You do it and your spirit will be built up. Let's go to Jude chapter 17. Jude is just before Revelation. I said chapter, verse 17. Jude 17. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Jesus Christ our Lord. They said to you in the last days... Um, In the last time, there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions and worldly devoid among the spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Praying in the spirit, whether it's praying in tongues or praying in English, but praying in the spirit, praying in tongues is included in that builds up our faith and it strengthens us on the inside. This is why so many times when we are meeting or gathering of Christians, just to really bring it home, and the meeting leader will say, let's pray in the spirit. Or the person leading worship will say, let's pray in the spirit. And this is to strengthen us beyond our mental comprehension because we worship our Father in spirit and in truth. And we've been called to those who worship in spirit and in truth. Yes, with our mind, but in spirit and in truth. And so we have to allow that to dictate and lead us in our worship. And not allow our mind to hinder us as to what God wants to do. And praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues does that. Praying in the Spirit also helps us pray effectively and it brings revelation. So let's go to Romans chapter 8. Romans 8 and from verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. When we don't know what to pray for, when we don't have the words to say, we can pray in the Spirit. And we can pray perfectly because the spirit knows the heart of God and the spirit knows our needs. And so when we pray in the spirit, even though we don't understand, we can pray perfectly. When we don't have the strength or the knowledge or we have, don't have the words to pray, we can pray in the spirit and pray perfectly. Let's go to Ephesians 6 and verse 18. Again, it says to encourage us, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, make perseverance and pray for the saints. 1 Corinthians 14 and from verse 2. For the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands him, for he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to the people for the upbuilding and for their encouragement. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. When we pray in the spirit, we can pray perfectly because we can pray according to the will of God. And when we pray in the spirit, we, we utter mysteries and mysteries about God. A mystery is simply a truth about God that I don't know yet. That's all a mystery is, a truth about God that I don't know yet. And so when I pray in the spirit, I utter these mysteries and my spirit gets to know, even though my mind doesn't always, but it does catch up. 
And the reason and purpose is it for us to be his witnesses, to enable us to be witnesses of him in our words, in our deeds, in our actions. We're here to declare the gospel with miracles and signs following. It's impossible. It is impossible to be an effective witness who extends the kingdom of God without the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And we know this because that's what Jesus demonstrated. Jesus did everything he did in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. In and of ourselves, we cannot be effective witnesses. Only in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And this coming is an observable change. It's an observable difference. Even though speaking in tongues may not come immediately. But people could tell the difference. Peter was once timid and now he was bold. Something had happened to him. This is what happens. He went from here to here. And sometimes, you know... as Christians, we, we, we can, you know, we can, and we can, by faith, we believe a lot by faith, and, and a lot of what we believe, we believe before we see it. But let's not that, let that rob us of expecting to see a, a physical difference. Let's not use that as an excuse to stop hungering and pushing for more of God. If they saw it then, nothing's changed because Jesus hasn't come back yet. So nothing's changed between when Jesus ascended there. The church, nothing has changed. So if they saw it then, we can see it now. There is an observable difference. And we know that once we've been filled, we continue to be filled. Because once isn't enough. We have this filling, but we continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit as he continues to fill us up and fill us up and fill us up even more. Amen. So let, let's stand together, shall we? And I'm going to pray for us so that if you're just comfortable to, let's close our eyes. And we want to respond because there's clearly a response. Holy Spirit, I thank you so much that you're with us and that you know us. And that you, you fashioned us, you created us, God, and that you love us so much. And I thank you that there is so much more that you have in store for us, Jesus. I thank you for the amazing gift of the Holy Spirit whom Jesus you sent after you ascended into heaven. And Jesus, we believe your word to be true. That we believe that that is what you did. And so right now, Jesus, we ask you to baptize us afresh in your Holy Spirit and with your fire, O God. We ask that you would baptize us afresh in your Holy Spirit. And I'm going to ask now, if you speak in tongues, if you pray in the Holy Ghost, let's pray in the Holy Ghost. And let's just begin to pray, begin to pray out loud in the Spirit. 
Let's begin to pray, Lord, in this and stir up our most holy faith. Let's keep praying. Let's keep praying and stirring up our holy faith. He's such a good God. He's such a good God. Just keep praying as I talk. And one of the things we see in scripture is that sometimes the Holy Spirit just comes and falls upon people. But many times it comes on by the laying of hands. And so if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, or if it's that you haven't yet spoken in tongues, or you just want him afresh, while we're all speaking in tongues, and I just want you to be really brave and raise your hands. And the people who are around you speaking in tongues are going to lay hands on you and see you baptized in the Holy Spirit. So if you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, if you don't speak in tongues, and that's not something experienced, just raise your hands as we continue to pray. guys over here with the hand raised if anyone would like to come and pray for you over there <laughs> okay there we go let's make sure everyone everyone who's got a hand raised to make sure a hand raised let's pray for one another Kira ta 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 sana ba na ba 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 Kira ra ta 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 As you're being prayed for I just want you to just focus on Jesus because he is the one who baptizes yes we lay hands but he is the one who brings the baptism Just focus on Jesus and allow him to fill you allow him to loosen you cuz he's not going to force you but we believe what he said in his word holy spirit come holy spirit baptize us afresh oh god kira ra 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 Thank you, God. 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 Holy Spirit come. Holy Spirit come. 
Let's just continue to pray. Let's continue to press in. Continue to press in. And if you've been prayed for, why don't you just open your mouth and pray? You can pray in English and just believe in God for His Spirit just to stir up in you to enable you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. He's here. Don't be afraid. He's here. Thank you, God. God. Oh, you're so amazing, God. You are so amazing, Jesus. And we want more of you, God. We thank you for your spirit. We don't want to do anything besides from your spirit. We don't want to move. We don't want to live. We don't want to act, oh God, outside depending on your Holy Spirit. Thank you so much, God, for what you've done. Thank you for filling us afresh. Thank you, God, that we know that we can continue to fan into flame the gift that you've given to us. Thank you that you've given us the gift of the Holy Spirit and we can continue to fan into flame the gift that you've given us. That we can pray in the Spirit on all occasions. That we can utter mysteries in the Spirit. That we can build our faith and strengthen ourselves, O God. That we can pray according to your will as you enable us, O God. Thank you so much, God. Thank you so much, God. Thank you, God. You know, 
it's in Luke chapter 11 when Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. And he teaches them the Lord's Prayer and he continues to say, there was a man who had a guest late in the night and he needed some bread. And so he knocked on his neighbor's door and he kept knocking and knocking and knocking. And it wasn't because the neighbor was super nice, but it was because of the persistence of the knocking. And then Jesus went on to say, ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open unto you. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. And then right at the end of that passage, it says, how much more will the father who knows how to give good gifts to his children give you the Holy Spirit? And so the key to this is to keep praying until something happens. We must continue to pray until something happens. We mustn't be those who settle for just, yeah, I know it. I know it by faith. I know it by faith. Yes, we do. But in faith, there is action. And we must hold on to what God has said in his word. And so let's continue to pray until something happens to persist and to believe for this wonderful gift which is not for the special Christian, it's for every Christian, for everyday normal life, going to work, changing nappies, taking the bus, everyday normal life, baptized, immersed, baptized, vinegar filled, stinking from afar off, Holy Spirit, infusing a life each and every single day. Amen.